Welcome to a review recap episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. On today's episode, I'm going to run you through all of the reviews for the original Broadway production of Summer 1976, presented by the Manhattan Theatre Club. If you are new to Broadway Radio and somehow stumbled across this episode, or you might have short-term memory loss and you forget how this works every time, if you are listening to this in Patreon, this is a standalone episode outside of our regular Today on Broadway episodes. But if you are hearing this in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 26th. On Tuesday night, Summer 1976 opened at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. It is currently scheduled to run through June 10th, which is a two-week extension that we discussed earlier this week. The play was written by Pulitzer Prize winner David Auburn and directed by Daniel Sullivan. It is a two-hander featuring two titans of the American stage, Jessica Hecht and Laura Linney. The show is described thusly, Summer 1976 is a deeply moving, tenderly insightful play about friendship, memory, and the small moments that can change the course of our lives forever. Over one fateful summer, an unlikely friendship develops between Diana, a fiercely iconoclastic artist and single mom, and Alice, a free-spirited yet naive young housewife. As the bicentennial is celebrated across the country, these two young women in Ohio navigate motherhood, ambition, and intimacy, and help each other discover their own independence. There was a very important word in that description that if you know me, you might understand why I might be a little bit more interested in this, especially when we get into some of these reviews and we uh, get to know a little bit more about the plot, but we'll get to that here momentarily. As of recording time, the review aggregator site Did They Like It has collected 12 reviews, nine of them were positive and three were mixed, with none being negative. Let's start off with Laura Collins Hughes reviewing the show for the New York Times, and she did make it a critic's pick. One thing I will note about Collins Hughes' review is that she does a lot of plot description in the show and says a lot about what's going on. She, in fact, uses multiple quotes from the script. So I'm going to kind of pick and choose what I include. So if it feels a little herky-jerky, that's because I don't want to spoil anything. But we will open up with how Laura Collins Hughes opens her review. She said, quote, Holly and Gretchen. Those are the little girls' names, so dissimilar in the way they hit the ear. One soft, warm, and breathy, the other sharp-edged and cramped, just like their mothers. The children are five, maybe six, when they first play together and hit it off, instant pals suddenly eager to see each other every day. In summer 1976, David Auburn's bittersweet comic memory play, that means their mothers, diametric opposites, will be hanging out a lot, too. This is a fortunate thing for us, the audience. Because in Daniel Sullivan's sun-dappled Broadway production for Manhattan Theatre Club, Laura Lenny plays the austere, sensuous Diana to Jessica Heck's vastly chiller Alice, or, as Diana describes this fresh acquaintance, a, quote, sleepy-eyed little hippie with her shorts and her coconut oil. She continues later in the review, If summer 1976 feels too comfortable to be fashionable, it's sharply observant, too, and subtly, insistently feminist, more than the wisp of a two-hander that it might first appear to be. Auburn, who at 53 was about Holly and Gretchen's age during the Bicentennial, has once again sewn a script with riches for actors. Lenny and Hecht mind them for all they're worth. And here's the part that's going to get me interested even more than it already is. A frustrated artist who teaches at... Ohio State University, I'm going to forgive Laura for not including the capitalized the before the name of my alma mater, but nonetheless. Diana is a single mother, the kind with family money as a cushion and a rule against Gretchen watching any TV shows that aren't on PBS. 
an inveterate snob who judges the worth of her fellow humans by their design choices and the books they read, Diana is harder to like than Alice's, though in Lenny's hands no less funny or affecting. The second line out of her mouth gets a laugh with its withering disdain for Alice's daughter. I'll move on to the end of the review as to not give too much away. But she goes to explain a little bit more about the characters. She says, quote, Diana got pregnant in art school during a fling with a glassblower. Alice dropped out of graduate school to marry Doug, then had Holly. Columbus, a staid heartland city named for that avatar of heedless white male adventuring, was never the aim for either of them. Great things were promised me, Alice, Diana says. I promised them to myself. In that red, white, and blue summer, they question what's gone wrong with their American dreams. And they start with poignant imperfection to put things right. Obviously, you had me at Ohio State University, but this also sounds very much like a show in the vein of things that I am seeking out more often than not. And I've talked about this here before. I don't need major drama. I don't need these massive emotional highs and lows, which sounds like from what we talked about from Sunday's reviews with Prima Facie, you certainly get in addition to the incredible acting and performance of Jodie Comer. But in this show, emotions and experiences are a little bit more familiar without the need to bear your own soul and have the rawness of your experiences brushed up upon by what you see on stage. So I have to admit, Summer 1976 was not at the top of my list for my upcoming trip, but the alma mater of it all and the apparent vibe of the show might be changing that. Let's move on to some other reviews though. Starting off with Adam Feldman of Time Out New York, who was mixed and gave the show three out of five stars. He said, quote, the production reunites director Daniel Sullivan with playwright David Auburn, who wrote the company's 2000 hit Proof, and with a very fine actor, Laura Linney, whom he has directed in four previous MTC shows on Broadway. Joining them is stage treasurer Jessica Hecht of MTC's Assembled Parties. It's a dramatic dream team. What's missing is drama. He continues, The play has touching moments, and Auburn's short story-ish writing convincingly evokes a time of one's life the late 20s when a person's possibilities begin to narrow. But the summer 1976 retrospective structure doesn't give the actors a chance to show us what they're missing, the lived experience of their friendship. Seated and facing forward for most of the play, the two women take turns addressing the audience, coloring in the story from separate perspectives without interacting directly. It's rather like watching an audiobook. Although Lenny and Hecht are never boring, you may find your mind wandering to details that catch your attention. It is also important to note that it was recently announced that this show will be recorded by Audible and available to listen to, kind of giving a little bit more credence to Adam's review. Juan A. Ramirez, writing for Theaterly, said, quote, Lenny and Hecht's confident, vulnerable light performances are the reasons to come and the two stage veterans embrace the audience with their affable warmth and charm. Christian Lewis, writing for Theater Mania, said, quote, Friendships are, without a doubt, some of the most complicated relationships we can have, though there's far less art made about them than familial, romantic, and sexual ones. David Auburn's new Broadway play, Summer 1976 at Manhattan Theater Club, Samuel J. Friedman Theater, is filling in this gap and may very well be one of the best pieces of art about female friendship yet. Jackson McHenry, writing for Vulture, said, quote, The key pleasure of summer 1976 comes from listening to Laura Lenny and Jessica Hecht talk. The two of them, how they haven't worked alongside each other before, have distinct instruments and know how to deploy them so well. 
Lenny's got an assertive alto, while Hex Timber is reedier and more winding, a viola and oboe. I'd happily see them take on any number of double act parts. Hex Glenda to Lenny's Alphaba. But in David Auburn's gentle but wise play, they found a piece of finely wrought chamber music on which they can duet with precision. Chris Jones of New York Daily News said, quote, When you have actors of the quality and appeal of Laura Linney and Jessica Hecht, the two stars of David Auburn's subtle summer 1976, an intimate chance to visit with them can be reason enough to buy a ticket. Chris Jones was one of the mixed reviews, but obviously, like most people, said that the performances are worth seeing. Again, I will beat the drum of something I said about Prima Facie the other day. Of the 12 reviews that have been collected by Did They Like It, which pretty much covers all of the major theatrical outlets, only Laura Collins Hughes for the New York Times, so give the gray lady a little bit of credit here, is being reviewed by a woman. This show, yes, written and directed by men, is about two women, starring two women, uh, and we can't get a woman to review it other than the paper of record. In the Broadway World Review Roundup, there are other women who have submitted reviews, but not necessarily for the higher profile publications that are normally making the rounds and did they like it. I also see one from Sandy McDonald from New York Stage Review, but that's really it. it I just, ugh, come on, there, there has to be a better way to do this, and I just don't understand why we are continually beating our head against the wall with this exact same thing. I mean, I guess I do understand why, but it shouldn't be this hard. Anyway, if you would like to read more from these or other reviews, we will have the Did They Like It review recap in the show notes along with the Broadway World Review Roundup. So if you're listening to this in Patreon, have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday night or Wednesday whenever you're listening. Or if you're listening to this in the regular feed, I will now send you over to the rest of Today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 26, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we are recording on Tuesday evening. Tonight True. over at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, the Manhattan Theater Club will open its latest Broadway show, the Broadway premiere of David Auburn's new play, Summer 1976. It is directed by Daniel Sullivan and is an incredibly cast two-hander starring Jessica Hecht and Laura Linney. Absolutely. Tonight, Tuesday night, over on Patreon, I will have a review recap episode with all of the reviews from this show, which has already been extended by two weeks. Then if you are hearing this in the regular feed, you've already heard those reviews, but we like to keep people updated in terms of scheduling when these things will be happening. Um, of course, if you are listening to this in Patreon and you heard yesterday's Today on Broadway and Patreon, you might not have listened to the review recap episode of Goodnight Oscars, but that is in uh-huh. the, uh, the podcast feed as well. Middling to mix, Middling. I would say, Ashley. And yeah. I would say that's fair as someone who saw it. I, you did see it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Sean's performance significantly more than I did the play. Um, yeah. So the, the reviews that I have looked at have made a lot of sense, I would say. Yeah, there was one. I think it was Jackson McHenry from Vulture who said something to the effect of, I would never recommend 
coming into a sh- into a Broadway show with just 20 minutes left, but if I did, it would be this one. A hundred percent, yeah. In the, in, the, in the show notes, we do have highlights from summer 1976, if you want to check out that video uh, before you see the show or after, before you read the Healer reviews or anything, but either way, those are available. And I've just learned that Jan Simpson will be doing an episode of Stagecraft with playwright David Auburn about the show Ooh, as nice. well. So check that out. Uh, of course, you can hear everything over on Patreon at patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Now, Ashley, the hits just keep on coming. We've talked about this trend picking up quite a bit this year, but I believe, and I might have missed something, but I don't think that I have. We have uh, we have gotten the sixth show opening up during the summer. It was announced yesterday that the new play, The Shark is Broken, will be coming to Broadway's John Golden Theater beginning on July 25th. I have an August 10th opening. It is a limited engagement scheduled to run through November 19th. The Golden uh, is currently where Prima Facie is running, and that is currently only slated to play through mid-June, although that, I guess, probably has a little bit of a wiggle room to give uh, load out and load in before July 25th. This play is about the making of the movie Jaws. Now, I do want to remind yeah. you, there was also a musical I was going to bring that up. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. odd that we have uh, two semi-opposing properties now about the making of Jaws. Yeah, these are not related at all. So this is uh, The Shark is Broken, which was an Olivier Award-nominated play. It is a comedy written by Ian Shaw and Joseph Nixon. Ian Shaw is the star of the show, and he plays Robert Shaw, his father, who played Quint nice. in the original Steven Spielberg film. Uh, Bruce is a musical penned by Richard Oberacker and Robert Taylor. So these are two very different things. That one, uh, <laughs> Bruce, is based off of Carl Gottlieb's book, The Jaws Log. So this is both coming at it from – I mean – pretty, you know, normal, realistic perspectives. Obviously, Shaw has the uh, advantage of having been the son of one of the film stars. Sure. But nonetheless, it's pretty interesting. Um, It It feels very much like when something goes into the public domain, like how we have all these Gatsby's now. But I mean, Jaws is very (laughs) clearly far off of that. Just very weird. Well, but it's not the difference of, and you sure, know this, sure, but the sure, difference sure. is yeah. this is not an adaptation of Jaws. This yeah. is an adaptation of the real life things that <laughs> happened to it. But this did originate in 2019 at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Um, it landed in the West End after a couple pandemic related postponements um, for a limited run in October 2021 through January of 2022. The, um, the show will again star Ian Shaw. It'll be directed by. Uh, Olivier winner Guy Masterson will be making his Broadway debut. The rest of the um, creative team will primarily be coming over from London, but the cast will obviously be announced at a later date. I cool. I, yeah, I, I can't say that this is like what I think of. Oh, a story that needs to be brought to the stage is the making of Jaws. Sure. Like, and I know there's yeah. there's a bunch of stories, and obviously it was a, a fairly fraught and interesting process. But this is a production being produced by Sonia Friedman Productions, which tells me, one, it's going to be a really cool production, and there's something to it. Sonia Friedman just doesn't get on board with sure. shows that aren't quality. So, like, yeah, despite my hesitation, yeah. <laughs> well, um, she's busy. So, like, she's not she's expending busy. a whole lot of, sure. of capital, literal or figurative, if it's not something of note. So, like, this just makes me more interested, even though I'm like, yeah. 
Okay, it's a robotic shark. I get it. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I've heard some really mixed things about it from previous productions, but that oh, doesn't really? mean yeah, but that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things because there's there's always an audience for anything, including this. I would like it because uh, I don't know anything about its tone or anything, but I feel like. I would like this if it was like a noises off situation and it was Could be. It is know, a comedy, the, we know. Sure. But if it was like the goes wrong of it all. Yeah. That wouldn't <laughs> that would interest me. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know the tone, but I'm definitely interested in seeing it. So will be fun yeah. this summer. It's kind of a, a it's a fun thing to have this going on this summer and back to the future going on and to have these bigger movie related properties during during the tourist season. Yeah, I mean you've got this, you've got as you mentioned um uh, back to the future. You also have Once Upon a One More Time which very well could do well yep. with with tourists. You have Grey House which is horror, so I'm not sure if that's like that's not going to get a family audience, but like I think it could have a niche audience. My family, with folks, but the yeah. Adams family, <laughs> yeah. But you've also got Here Lies Love and Cottage, which is playing at um, the Helen Hayes later this summer yeah. with a with a really good cast and Jason Alexander directing. So it's interesting. I I'm I love this the fact that we're getting new shows year round now rather yeah. than having like significant dead spots when we're getting new you know plays and musicals coming so thanks for giving on. me a couple that's a different musical but thanks for giving me yes. a couple hours in the i know in the summer to enjoy air conditioning at the very least yeah, yeah absolutely uh all right so venn diagram time yesterday okay. on tuesday i got a a press release at about 9 30 10 o'clock that was embargoed for noon on tuesday and it very much hit a lot of my my different particular beats because it was the announcement that for the second year in a row, Pluto TV will be streaming the 2023 Tony Awards pre-show, the Tony Awards, colon, Act One. Pluto TV is Paramount Global's live uh, free streaming service that you can sign up for. Actually, you don't even need to sign up for it. You can just go to the website. You can download the app and you get it for free. No credit cards. You can watch it, uh, all of that stuff. This will take place starting at 6.30 on Sunday, June 11th, that will lead into the actual Tony Awards that will be broadcast on CBS, as well as if you are a Paramount Premium or Paramount Plus Premium subscriber, you can watch it live via the app. This will be an hour and a half that will not only be um, some performances and some bits, but will be where what I think is most easily described as the creative arts side of the Tony Awards will be presented. Mm -hmm. These are the things that if it was the Emmy Awards, they would be done the weekend before. Yeah, at a local in and out. Yeah, exactly. And then like you get like 15 seconds of the, of the, of the acceptance speech. Exactly. Um, and these are also the things when the show had previously only been broadcast on CBS would be done during commercials. So I know some people, as they were last year, but I saw people talking about it today are concerned that like those awards aren't getting the respect that they deserve, but it's a TV show. And this is giving you an opportunity to see all of them be presented in the full acceptance speeches for free. Um, so to me, this is a yeah. win. And you, we had talked about this in the past, like, Oh, maybe PBS can do the creative arts side of things before the, t- the CBS broadcast. This to me is a much more corporate synergistic perspective and we, you know, this effectively turns the Tonys into a four and a half hour production, which yeah. your mileage may vary whether you like that or not. But for the theater lover, lovers, yeah, like this is great. You're also going to be able to um, 
watch the Tony Awards uh, on demand if you are a the ad-free subscriber. As soon as it starts, you can catch up later. Or if you are just a Paramount Plus Essential subscriber, which is the ad-supported version, you'll be able to watch that on demand the following day. So, like, this to me is – this is a good thing. Like, it, when it comes to, like, corporate – uh, you know, conglomerates owning media rights, like this is the good side of streaming. There are certainly a lot of bad sides of streaming, but like giving more options is a good thing. On the scene, Matt Timonini, the streamable.com. <laughs> yep, it's there. You can check it out. <laughs> but truly, I mean, I, I've complained about this in the past, especially when the Tonys first started doing this. But I mean, it would be different if this was 10 years ago and streaming wasn't the thing that it is now. Exactly. Where that you everybody have, uses. That everybody uses, that has Emmy-winning series, whatever you have, at movies for that matter. It is equivalent. It's having two different TV programs, as you mentioned, covering the same topic. And you're just getting them on different sub-networks, essentially. You're still getting it, just... You might have to watch one on yes. your computer versus one on your television, but there's an app for that. We're in 2023. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's an app for Pluto TV. You can download it and put on there. If you're going to watch via cable, you just switch from streaming to cable. If you're going to watch on Paramount Plus or YouTube TV Plus or you know whatever live streamer you yep. use, it's just switching apps. It's pretty easy. And if I remember correctly, last year, um, the pre-show, the Act 1 show, actually ended like five minutes early just to give you a buffer to move Bathroom over. And that might have just been yeah. because of <laughs> – yeah, it, it was like a commercial break or, almost. Or totally. maybe they just ended earlier than they wanted to, which is in a live you know broadcast that things can happen. But like I, I think this well, is good. Well, there's also like, the five – I assume that's more of a five minutes to curtain kind of thing. Could be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So either way, I know that there are people that have hesitations and I, th I don't think that they did a very good job of explaining that Pluto TV is free. Like there's li – like it's not a free trial. It's literally free. They You never yeah. pay for Pluto. So I think that helps uh, decrease the barrier of entry for a lot of people. All right. We do have a little bit of sad news that is theater related that we found out on Tuesday. The – Absolutely iconic EGOT winner, humanitarian, uh, yeah. singer, actor. Uh, I mean, literally one of the best humans of all time. Harry Belafonte passed away at the age of 96. He had many Broadway credits, both as a performer and as a producer, but he won the uh, 1954 Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in a Play for John Murray Anderson's Almanac. He also produced a number of shows, had his own solo show on Broadway. Um and I mean, did a little bit of everything. He was in the film version of Carmen Jones, although uh, his yes. singing voice was dubbed with an opera performer, did uh, lots of performing with the Rat Pack in Vegas. He has a Grammy, Emmy, and a Tony Award that he won in competitive categories and then was awarded the um, – the, uh, the Academy's Humanitarian Award in 2014. I'm trying to remember the name. The Gene – Herschel Humanitarian Award, I think is what it is, uh, in 2014 to complete his EGOT. Um, most recently, like, I think the last major film role that he had was just five years ago in Spike Lee's Black Klansman, in which he played a fictional civil rights yeah. leader. Harry Belafonte was a civil rights leader. He was there with yeah, Martin Luther King. Yeah, massively so. Yeah, and he was also hugely involved with anti-apartheid movements, um, HIV and AIDS awareness, combating world hunger. He was one of the organizers of We Are the World. Yep. He was a UNICEF goodwill ambassador for the last 36 years of his life. Um, I think for younger generations who might not have 
seen him in anything or might not have been around when he was, you know, doing regular movies even into his later years, pretty much everyone's going to know him from Deo, you know, the, yeah, the Banana Boat course. song, whether that's Beetle from, uh, yeah, from Beetlejuice or something else. But certainly one of the best people to ever come sure. from the entertainment world. And it is certainly a loss for everybody who knew and loved him as a performer or personally. Absolutely. As you said, one of the best humans and truly, whether coming from the entertainment industry or in general, just absolutely wild yeah. about Harry and it's a massive loss. Okay. So here's the thing. We got our latest <laughs> set of theater award nominations on Tuesday. And it's the Drama League nominations. So basically, here's everybody who was nominated for the Drama <laughs> the League. The level of indifference that I mean, that poured through that sentence. Here's the thing. If a play or musical played in New York City in 2022-2023, they were nominated for a Drama League award. Yeah. These are the awards that literally nominate 50 people for the individual performance award. There's only one. And they yeah. nominate 50 people. So they, I understand that's like it's all the, all the categories combined and they literally nominate anybody with any kind of name or in a lead role because they want the attention of these things. It is obviously very cool. Um, when somebody wins, because that means you really, really were the best. You can only win yeah. once in your lifetime. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit. You know, a little bit different. Um, so I'm not going to read all 50 of those names. Um, I will run through very quickly in the, the major production categories. The Outstanding Production of a Play, The Bandaged Place, Cost of Living, Dark Disabled Stories, Downstate, Illyria, Fatham, Goodnight Oscar, Leopoldstadt, Life of Pi, Peter Pan Goes Wrong, Prima Facie, Public Obscenities, and Summer 1976. Outstanding Revival of a Play, A Doll's House, Ohio State Murders, Hamlet, Orestia, The Piano Lesson, A Raisin in the Sun, The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window, The Thanksgiving Play, Top Dog, Underdog, Wedding Band, a love hate story in black and white and wolf play outstanding production of a musical and juliet a beautiful noise dreaming zinzil new york new york shucked some like it hot titanic white girl in danger west children's weathering heights and finally bob fossey's dance in camelot into the woods a man of no importance parade 1976 and sweeney todd in the outstanding revival of a musical there are other categories and uh, uh, directors and all the performance stuff in there as well um so you can check out the show notes if you want to see that yeah, the special recognitions, uh, I will point these out. Distinguished Achievement in, in Musical Theater, which is like the Lifetime Achievement Award, Andre De Shields. The correct. Founders Award for Excellence. Yes, that is absolutely correct. The Founders Award for Excellence in Directing, Lear de Bessonet. Contribution also to correct. the Theater Award. Yeah, Contribution to the Theater Award, The Drama Bookshop, and the Gratitude Award, Darian Odioye. Uh, Darian Odioye, I think is how you say it, but – um, very cool. Congratulations, everybody nominated. Uh, the shows that had the most nominees, New York, New York, Sweeney Todd, A Doll's House, Cost of Living, Into the Woods, and Top Dog Underdog all had mm -hmm. four. Who – I don't know if you have the list in front of you. Probably not, I, I assume. No. But pick me a winner out of the 50 performance nominees. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, pick me a winner, kid. Like, this is the natural. I mean, the ones that uh, stood out when you read them were Wolf Play and mm -hmm. Sweeney for very different reasons. But I, I yeah, feel we, like at least so far this year, Wolf Play has been my favorite show. Any of which performer from from those two shows would you put? Because I've got I've oh, got Annalie, Annalie, yeah, and and Josh for for Sweeney, and it looks like Wolf Play. There is just. Yes, that's very, just that's very an one. ensemble show to me. Um, Annalie, yeah. obviously, unquestionably. 
the performer. Esco Jule, I think is how you pronounce the name. Esco yeah. Jule is the only individual performance nominee from Wolf Play. So their performance is uh, great, but yep. it's an excellent ensemble show. Yeah. I would be fine if Marla Mandel won. Fine that. with that. She's not. She's not. <laughs> but I would be fine yeah, with that fine for with Titanic. It. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Love it so much. Uh, all right, let's get you out on a feel-good recommendation. I know this is very much not your thing, uh, Ashley. This is more right, my I'll thing, even though I don't, I, I don't watch this. Uh, but it is tangential to The Voice, which I do watch. Um, but this is Jimmy Fallon's show, That's My Jam, in which he gets a bunch of uh, stars to come on and do like silly singing-related bits or whatever. Uh, on the episode that aired... Uh, I think it was on – it might have been on Tuesday. It was on Monday or Tuesday. Like I said, I don't watch it. The episode featured Keenan Thompson, Big Boy from Outcast, and Kesha as well as Tony winner Renee Elise Goldsberry. And Ooh. they do some fake some fake slot machine thing where the little wheels turn and you have to do things that are obviously very well planned far in advance. Of course. And like here's a genre and here's a song. It's not – I mean – we realize that you practice this. Um, but the genre was Broadway, shocking, and the song was Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back. So we get Renee Elise Goldsberry singing a Broadway version of Sexy Back, which I didn't know I needed we'll be, it. I was going to say, we'll be in the next Jukebox musical, surely. Yeah. I'm not sure that I actually, having seen it, I'm not sure that I actually need it, but I'm here for it. You know, she kind of <laughs> plays up the Broadway. You already have it. it. There you go. Yes, I have it and I've watched it. So um, that'll be in the show notes if you want to check that out. All right, everybody. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No, This is Ashley. If you're hearing this in Patreon, don't forget to come back later tonight for all of the reviews for summer 1976. If not, have a wonderful hump day and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>